Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And hello, everyone, and welcome to The Return of the Show. I am Ben, and with me is my co-host, Jose, and we are talking about Vox Machina Season 2, Episodes 10 through 12, the season finale. Oh my god, these were so good. Yeah, these were um, wonderful what? to watch. I, like, with the show, I try my best to divorce myself from, like, my fandom on this, <laughs> because I have been watching Critical Role for, like, years at this point. It's how I got, like, I started watching them right as I got into playing D&D, like, three or four years ago, and I started Campaign 2, and then Campaign 1 I only watched when the series was initially announced, like, three years ago. Um, <laughs> so I've been in it, and I, like, this season, we've already talked that it's a little bit different. Episode 10, I was watching with my partners, and we both had goosebumps, the second that the entire team showed up it that was uh, such a good it was yeah i exactly i think think it's my like i I watched it days ago and i'm still speechless when i talk about it because like i think that is my favorite episode of the show in its entirety yeah you and i pretty much agree on this because like 
everything just going on from the episode, Gra- uh, we caught it, we see Grog getting ready to stand up against Kev Dak. Um, he gets the shit beaten out of him. Oh my god! And like right and uh, uh, Pike and Scanlan try to help out. Doesn't really work too well, but. We see them in the shadow. Uh, the rest of them in yeah. the shadows. We all get a good view of it, and it's like just, this cut between each oh person too. It's just like them realizing, like, oh, help's arrived. We're being saved, and like getting ready to like move. I will say, I just want to give they did Grog such a service with this because previously his character arc is it, this happens in D anD D pretty often. I feel like is all the things are there for a character arc, but if a um. A, if a player doesn't act on those things heavy in the role play in the moment, it might not be as satisfying as it otherwise could be. Or mm-hmm. if you're at a table that doesn't facilitate those moments very well, but still has all the elements there, it can be pretty dissatisfying. And I feel like that's the Grog stuff was pretty satisfying, but the way that they were able to embellish the story more in order to make it happen this way and for us to really feel for Grog in all these moments, ten ten times better. Yeah. I, this- I feel like what they did with Percy was pretty much on the money for what it was in the original game. Mm-hmm. This is, it was short. It was sweet. It was impactful. Um, I, I loved every single thing about this. Yeah. This gave this, this made me give so much freaking love to Grog. Cause like th- it just played out so well and looked amazing. I am like, we can get rid of like, Oh, he's just the dumb barbarian stereotype. It's just like, nah, that's a fully written player backstory there. My boys. It did took a good minute to get there, but it, it did. It took us a while to get there. That is true. But the, it, it, in the end, it was worth it. He got his anime hero moment. Yeah. The also he was buffer. <laughs> when he came out of having no muscles, <laughs> which and I just want to say they actually adapted a really strange thing here because originally um, the way that this unfolded with him coming to the conclusion that I get strength from my friends is it's true. He went to Earth. He went to the Earthbreaker and got his ass whipped in Vasselheim the first time. Yep. Absolutely wrecked. The second time that it happened wasn't when fighting Ke- Kevdak that it he came with, to this realization. Uh, Craven Edge, right? Oh. No. It was way later in the campaign. They go back to Vasselheim, and he's just like, you know what? We're going to make a pit stop. I want a rematch. Oh. And that's when he came to the, like, I get strength from my friends. And then they fought the Earthbreaker, except he was allowed to have two people backing him up. Um, By the way, the Earthbreaker, level 20 monk, had the thing where he could stop your heart if you made a uh, failed constitution save. Holy fuck. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, really, really bad news. But he's ultimately speaking, um, that shit slapped. It, it was it was so good how they were able to like pack it all nicely within the season. And the only other character that I feel like they well, honestly, they gave a lot of the characters like this really well sort of packed storyline. But the only one that I feel like really rivals what they did with Grog is what they did with Scanlan. Yeah. Because, like. Say what you care, say what you will about this epic moment. It's my favorite fucking thing the show's ever done. Mm-hmm. The mute, the the heavy metal music from Scanlan, so good. The other major character development really was Scanlan in this. Yeah, I think this season was a lot of uh, we we did get a good bits of everybody, practically. yeah. But I think of course at the end, in the end, it was a good majority for Grog and Scanlan. Yeah, I think Vax gets a really. He Vax is definitely third place in this. However, the amount of development that they did for Vax, because Vax is kind of learning something new. He's being thrown into something and he kind of comes to the 
not inciting incident, but like to this moment of realization about himself throughout everything when he finally like confronts the the uh, Raven Queen in her temple, and of course he gets the wings, which just like the symbolism there is really really good. <laughs> but it's work that he didn't have to do on himself. It's work that he had to do on a situation that was thrusted upon him and how he would adapt to it. Where Scanlan, we actually get a really clean picture of who he is. Yeah. Also, just for the record, I think Liam O'Brien just loves characters with wings. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just putting it I'm pretty. I'm confident in that now. I, I feel like this just keeps happening to him because originally, I think we talked about this on the show, The that vestige was slated for Percy. Yeah, I think he did, yes. Yeah, and it's just because of a spur-of-the-moment thing that it ended up becoming his. And the way that... uh, Yeah, the way that all this unfolds and just, like, Vax becoming the champion of the Raven Queen and also, like, we got some confirmation about those are indeed the threads of fate. Yeah. And, like, it wasn't... It wasn't people's lifelines necessarily, but it is very close in symbolism because it ultimately was the idea that those threads are leading towards their fate, which is i.e. death, um, which turns into a very weird religious moment. Like they fully embrace him becoming a paladin. We're just like, OK, <laughs> now he's religious. What's happening here? It's it, I, it's good characterization to kind of show that shift in gameplay for, to entering that class without it feeling completely out of the loop. Yeah. But or for if you're a person who doesn't understand what's happening, it just looks cool. <laughs> yeah, it it just looks cool. It makes sense for his character to like embrace the fact that he's now the Raven Queen's champion in that moment. Yeah. It gives him the power that he needs to save himself and Scanlan when they're falling out of the fucking sky. It's like the way that they're able to actually and again, this is an ensemble show, so they have the hardest thing in the world and the fact that they have to focus on everyone simultaneously. And I didn't think that taking Percy out of the equation by doing his arc first would help with that, but it absolutely did. We didn't have to focus on Percy at all this season. Yeah. He just got to vibe and like hit on his lady. That's it. Which, <laughs> yeah. By the way, we're going to be treated to so many good moments next season. Because <laughs> I was I was talking about this with someone else, but like, um, i.e. my partner, there wasn't a lot of like the couples moments in these seasons like i think we get like one thing from Kaleth, like trying to ask vax to dance also Dude, i actually felt so bad for her <laughs> i feel so also did they just not explain the fact that they weren't pursuing that did they just not explain that i thought that they were still potentially a thing yeah, and the then when she walked back to the table and fucking chugged the beer i was like same, same. <laughs> she, she handled the rejection like me right now the <laughs> Just drink it away. Um, God, it, no, poor, poor Kiki. Poor, she, She's just like me for real. Also, she was being smooth. She had it. He's just an emo boy. Yeah. Just always the moody ones. Yeah. It, it, never trust the moody. Never hit on the moody ones. That that will always be the thing. They'll just unless you're drunk. Unless you're drunk. Well, well, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I would recommend it. It will make the rejection easier for you. <laughs> It is, it is not condoned, though. I would not recommend that. Also, um, don't try to sleep with your daughter. Yeah. <laughs> See, I felt so... The fact that you last episode were I don't like, want to... She's a romantic interest. I'm we like, can skip that part. Absolutely. No, here's the thing. No, that's good. Because what they were doing is they were correctly telegraphing to people that weren't familiar with the character. 
what Scanlan was viewing in the situation. Yeah. And honestly, kind of what the audience was viewing as well, because the issue with gnomes is that they like they look similar in age. That's uh they age at a very slow rate. So no one at the table thought that that was gonna happen. He was described she was described as being youngish looking for a gnome, but not like a child. And the issue with gnomes is youngish looking can range anywhere between essentially twenty to I think think a hundred and like 50 okay so just a small gap got it yeah um which might be able to tell you something about scanlan's age in that in the fact that they look somewhat close to each other and um have been lit and that is sort of the age range for that level of maturity that they're both in it um the homeboy finds out he's a dad yeah what a way to find out though oh my god well they do what Sam Regal did, where Sam Regal was immediately like, I feel terrible about this. And it kind of played into the fact that, like, Scanlan is a character that would kind that would own up to it. Um, that being said, it's also very obvious that Scanlan had a very reckless past, and this was a very true thing. Which kind of leads me into um, the fun piece of sam regal trivia uh that dro- we're gonna say call it sam regal lore that dropped recently on another podcast um scanlan is based off of eminem would you like me to go on i see your you face sir yeah go on, um, go on. so scanlan he was a uh he was a gnome that grew up in a very very poor community in the game um it had a tough relationship with his mother the other thing that happened uh that they talk about a little bit in the show but is somewhat of a retcon is that he was discovered by dr dranzel i.e dr dre dr dranzel for everyone that's wondering is the orc fellow who's in charge of the uh care of the little troop that kaylee's in and he has a daughter named kaylee fucking hell I guess you better not lose yourself, huh? <laughs> Damn it, Jose! <laughs> I'm upset now. Okay, I'm. I'm. I should have planned that pun. That's fine. But good on you. Um. Yeah. No. It's like literally Sam Regal. This was his first ever D and D character, <laughs> and he literally just went to the Wikipedia page for Eminem and, and just changed just, everybody's name Scanlan. <laughs> changed it to Scanlan <laughs> and. Bitch roughly changed the names however kaylee was actually an add-on by matt mercer because what scanlan originally did was he didn't mention that he had a daughter and um matt mercer thrusted this upon him nice so (laughs) (laughs) because matt mercer um will play into whatever toxic trait your character has and throughout and will put that into the backstory um poor mercer is like dealing with so many things with sam regal right now though like his current character is a flat earther um <laughs> or a flat he believes in a flat exandria <laughs> but the but but the campaign is focused on the moon so he's like no the moon's a sphere we can clearly see that it's a sphere but exandria it's flat and matt mercer is constantly trying to curb him oh i so he, gotta watch this campaign he can't do it um it's phenomenal if you are not watching campaign three yeah scanlan scanlan's living it up the but like one of the things that is really fo- focused upon and they've been talking about this all season 
is how Scanlan is treated by everyone else. And mm-hmm. then, of course, his cowardice, yeah. which we get we have actually seen highlighted very, very often throughout a lot of decisions, even in even in season one. And then to have this turn into a pivotal moment when they're facing down Umbrasil is phenomenal. Um, yeah, and especially with like the in his mind hearing Kaylee's voices, like uh, the words that she said to him. Yeah, just the, like very much telling him, pretty much uh, telling him what to do. But yeah, yeah. Well, I think they needed to really focus on the fact that Kaylee is the most important touchstone for his character mm-hmm. because, and like this is something that. Um, uh, that they talked that they even talked about in the campaign although sam regal would always play it off as a joke even though we would find out later that it was not true that that scanlan was that scanlan was lonely and looking for the like certain things and he usually played it off as a joke because someone would be like do you mean any of that scanlan and he'd be like nah i'm fucking with you but then of course later on it turns into a really important piece for his character and why he makes decisions that are really important even later in the campaign Scanlan actually is probably the most important character of Vox Machina, um, strictly for a um, what he ends up doing on the battlefield. Which, I mean, like we saw it today. We, we saw it today. Um, originally, it was the dimension door into the belly of the beast, and this one they foreshadowed it by having him put a hand up Grog's butt. I couldn't believe what I was watching at this point. I. Like, I could, but I couldn't. <laughs> I just remember, it was someone, someone spent an entire day drawing and animating a dragon's asshole in order to get that shot done. Also, Umbrasil's reaction as soon as they did, like, <laughs> you can't make this shit up. You really can't. Well, I think the worst part is that's not even what they did in the game. It's enough. It's, no, it was a dimension door into, into his stomach. But they were like, we have an established dimension door. They don't have teleportation in this version. So, oh. also, they did the finger motion correctly. Uh, like, it was, like, it wasn't a fist. It was... Also, let's not talk about, um... <laughs> I think it's in the next episode when they crawl out of the belly. And then Vax says, nice fisting. And yep. then Scanlan says, takes practice. <laughs> yep. I mean, Scanlan's uh, well-established to have been all over the place. Oh, um, oh we know. <laughs> the... <laughs> But I'm I'm just glad that they've done what they did with him because I was really worried that they were gonna do two they were gonna do two, one of two things either they weren't gonna give him his hero's moment which they did or that they were just going to let him continue being the butt of the joke by everyone else in the uh, group which it seems like he's earned some respect finally which he really really needed based off of how everyone was treating him this season, which gives us a little bit more, a, a, faith in Vox Machina, because now we're at the point where I feel like a lot of people that were complaining about Scanlan's character of like, oh, he's just the dirty bard are not going to be able to really say the same thing anymore. Because there's definitely a lot more going on than just being the filthy, horny bard. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like we are going to see some of these same points of conflict continue to grow. That being said, um, they buffed the shit out of Umbrasil so that they could buff Scanlan later. Dude, Umbrasil was oh my god, and it's reckless and insane. The I wasn't expecting it, them to give him the vestiges powers. The being able to see where the things were, I figured that that was going to be the case. They wrapped up the vestiges, um, just normal powers that they give to bards 
into it. So invisibility, that was just something Scanlan could do. Became Umbrasylves. The um, being able to heal. Yeah. That's going to be a big thing is Scanlan's going to be able to heal people because of that sword. Which, I mean, bards could always do in-game, but they actively made a choice to make sure that Pike was the only person that could heal people. Right. And that's just going to be no longer the case. Um, so we're going to now have the two gnomes being the healing people, which I feel like is going to establish that relationship a little bit more. Um, I already see Scanlan like healing Pike in the future, and that's going to be a little moment between the two of them. <laughs> just uh, the way that they've gone about everything here is so good, but really like the Umbrasil fight, the amount of hopelessness that I felt during that, there were like parts, even though I knew that they won that i was just like they're gonna fucking lose yeah there's a lot of like good back and forth but like okay we're good we're going somewhere oh no no no, no. no. wait 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 oh it legitimately yeah. took them three sessions in order to kill Aubrey. jesus christ I um, well that's the thing that i feel like a lot of people underestimate about um because they did a mis they made a mistake um so in dungeons and dragons a lot of people will it was a meta decision they didn't want to go to his lair and have him ha use lair actions. Okay, fair enough. So that's why they tried to do it the way that he did. But he got to fly, run away, and heal himself. But the party didn't because the party could only short rest and they were like really low on short rest. Um, which they were able to illustrate. <laughs> but the um, the actual way that this unfolded is they did everything the way. They set that big trap. It worked. They weren't able to kill him. They did teleport in what they originally used instead of that dagger that holds in place was an immovable rod, um, which effectively is like the same thing. Oh, yeah, um, I know. I know that big thing. Yeah, the entire way that they went about it was like a very meta decision. And then in this, they decided that it was like, oh, they just don't know where the lair is, which was perfect. The amount of bullshit that they had to deal with, though as far as killing him pretty much was one-to-one -one with the campaign though damn the like follow like three different fights one on the ground one mid-air and then one at the lair which honestly this reason it took a solid two episodes in order to kill him jesus so like they did a good job with it and also yeah legend uh ancient dragons not to be fucked with yeah that that is how much it takes to actually kill them. Especially one with the power of a freaking relic. Oh my god! The um, well, he's not the only one that uses magic though, because the next ancient dragon that we are given a direct line to, Vorgal or Raishan in Rishan, this case. Okay. Vorgal, we will get to, but Raishan is a much more pertinent issue right yeah, now. Yeah, that's true. Um, so they introduce the fact that th that she uses magic right off the bat when we meet her in uh the first episode of the season the thing that a lot of people f that are familiar with the source material would have caught was that when they made it through the sun tree there was a little girl with green eyes that stared back at them right okay that was Raishan. at what point did she get there <laughs> so in hard dungeons and dragons lore like way back in the day i'm talking um like 3.5 edition and earlier all dragons could use magic and were considered sorcerers okay and for the like older you were the more magic that you had dragons were really really difficult to deal with because of this because they weren't just these big beasts 
that did things and could talk, they were magic users. They could heal themselves. They could cast magic at you. They didn't just use a breath weapon. And what they did here, Matt Mercer decided to do was he decided to make this one specific dragon a sorcerer. Okay. And one of the things that this dragon has, and especially green dragons in particular, is polymorph. And it just polymorphed itself into a human, whatever human it wanted to be. So it came through as this little girl and that and at some point replaced Keeper Yenin. So the question is, is Keeper Yenin still alive? <laughs> I want to say so, because um, as we see, especially by, by, the, by the last episode, Rishon's not, as far as we know, not like too much into um, causing destruction, mayhem, or anything like that. Yeah. Because uh, we find out that Thordak is basically doing his own thing now. Yeah. The Rishon is much more focused on dealing with Thordak, apparently. And make no mistake, Rishon probably has some ulterior motives. Dragons yeah. are inherently selfish. Everything that they said in the beginning about dragons is very true um and the fact that is that they don't usually want to work together so something about thordak has caused this alliance and you can kind of tell from the way that he treats um brimsythe that it's pro excuse me not brimsythe god damn i keep getting Vorgal. brimsythe and vorgal uh, and umbrasil mm -hmm. um that is based out of fear yeah because we don't really get a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with raishan and um uh, Oh, yeah, we don't get a ton of one-on-one -on -one time with Raishan. Yeah, we haven't seen, we haven't seen Ra well, known it was Raishan since, I think, the first episode. Yeah, the first episode, they're like, Raishan's gone missing. And then, um, and, uh, Lance and Redrick. Just, yeah. Lan Thordak? Thordak. <laughs> Thordak. <laughs> Commander Zavala is just like, <laughs> just let them be. They're doing their own thing. Because the thing is, is that, um, there's another thing that's hinted at in the beginning that someone helped them out of the fire plane and it was someone that looked like them okay was it he it was someone that looked like one of uh it was someone that looked like one of the fiery shari it was likely the only other dragon that we could see that could change itself which means that for whatever reason raishan had a motive in order to actually get thordak out yeah so the question is, well, what's Raishan's motive? And then what is Thordak's motive? Because it's also established, and this was not in the original to my remembrance. I remember him gathering the gold because that is what dragons do. And he just wanted to subjugate everything. I do not remember there being that many eggs. <laughs> and I do not remember the gold being needed for an additional plan. What? Well, I I don't know about the gold part. Definitely not. I, that's always been the weird thing with like dragons, and, like they're, they're just the collection horde shit. So, I mean, if you want to get it really into the fun stuff about D and D lore, is um, different dragons have different types of hordes. So, red dragons hoard wealth. Mm -hmm. um, green dragons hoard accomplices. They hoard people. They hoard connections. Okay. So a green dragon's entire thing is actually to be a, um, a mischievous, sort of like just a mischievous fellow. They actually are really good at playing into political intrigue, which is the reason why most people will make them um, will make them sorcerers so that they can polymorph it, interface with other people. But their entire thing is always manipulation. Um, 
I believe, if memory recalls, black dragons um, try to hoard suffering, but they will also have some sort of treasure hoard. Um, and I forget what white dragons are. I think white dragons actually focus on um, carnage. And they are literally just focused on destroying as much as possible. Hmm. Um, I forget how all those personalities play into it. Uh, if someone wants to correct me in the comments, please do so because I did not look this up and I do not have a dungeon master guide <laughs> on me. Um, but I think uh, the army of dragons is pretty much what it, what is an army of dragons. Thor like wants to be unstoppable and fully, fully take over. Uh, yeah, of a was Tadore? Tadore. Um, it will likely extend expand to all of Exandria, though, if there's this kind of power. Um, yeah. The fact is, is that an entire country fell because of five dragons, and if they can hatch a ton of dragon wormlings, and those dragon wormlings yeah. can be allowed to grow to adulthood, you're looking at an age of dragons. Which, um, if you know things about D and D lore, and um, that's very bad. There is an alternate planet. In Dungeons and Dragons lore, that is ruled by dragons that the Dragonborn <laughs> came from. Um, it's it's not really a planet. It's more of like an it's more of like a different plane, sort of, but not really. The Forgotten Realms is weird, and that's not the canon that Matthew Mercer uses at all. <laughs> he uses his own thing. Honestly, we're not even still sure of the um, origins of dragons, to my knowledge, but that may have been printed in one of the books that came out in the last couple of years from uh, the Evil Company, Wizards of the Coast. So. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Darrington Press like starts printing these things instead of uh, Wizards at some point because yeah. that would be fantastic. But uh, I did call that uh, this whole final thing will be dealing with Umbrasil. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that uh, Anna Ripley will slip out of the shadows. Oh, <laughs> she she got out. She was like Fox Machina is coming here. Nope. <laughs> like, fuck this shit. I'm she out. well, I mean, she's like they've been collecting vestiges. They killed my last employer. <laughs> I'm not staying here. Uh, like, uh, she's a betting woman. Yeah. She, and she hedges her bets correctly. She's not going to fuck around and find out. She's probably going to go around and she's going to be like, okay, either Vox Machina is who I need to broker power with because they might win. Or she's going to look at more ways of gaining power so that she can continue whatever her goals are. Yeah, it's... It it's weird too because like we legit don't have an idea no i we we don't know what her end game is what she's doing at the moment we know that she's rebuilt a wooden hand for herself but that's it we haven't even seen her brandish a weapon all we know is she has this orb that she seems to be able to scry on people with yeah um and that's it and that she made a deal with umbrasil but yeah but it wasn't with the rest of the chroma conclave right. it was which because she was also pushing for umbrasil too collect the vestiges and basically go to Thordak. Yeah. yeah fight him i mean she she seems to hedge her bets i am worried about what's going to happen with her later not in like i'm worried about what the story's going to do because if anything season two has proven to me that they can adapt the rest of this campaign very very well <laughs> um it, i am worried about what's going to happen to the characters when we meet them when we meet her again yeah ripley is smart and not to be fucked with and the last time we met her she was at such a disadvantage what's going to be what's going to happen when she's on an even playing field yeah or even a better playing field for her too depending yeah. on what her goals she, are yeah yeah like we don't know if she's going to go after box mocking it she doesn't really have a direct reason to kill them but she might be just going after power yeah i think 
there might be one other person before she ends up possibly turning to Vox Machina if needed. But um, I do think she'll try to find at least one more person that she can make a good bargain deal with. Yeah. Question is, is who's open to make deals with um with the one-handed mad scientist? That's the big one. And uh, with that, I think that concludes this season's coverage Damn. of Legend of Vox Machina. Do we, do we think season three will come out before Mighty Nine or? I think it will come out before Mighty Nine. Honestly, what I think. Oh, you know what? No, we're not done our coverage because I forgot to say something really important to like uh, what the timeline of this is. We got confirmation recently because of the way that Critical Role is now um, doing their like post-show podcast and they're going way more in depth. That song in one of the previous episodes, um, Making My Way, that was written in twenty that was written and recorded in 2020. Oh, okay. That's at least a they were at least two to three years out on that. Which means that season three is probably already heavily in the works. Yeah, that's a good point. Because yeah. Yeah, and if Mighty Nine just got greenlit. Also, one of our commenters um it mentioned that this might be a five season run. Two seasons for Chroma Conclave, and then two seasons for essentially the last two-ish arcs, one of which in the middle is not necessarily I, I don't know whether to call it an arc or a collection of small tiny stories. Hmm. Um but we're potentially looking at a five season run of this. The um excuse me, the amount of years that it took for this show to initially come out after development started. Yeah. I think it's a strong chance that they will finish this show and then they will start Mighty Nine. Well, well, well don't forget because the trailer small little bit for Mighty Nine. They did have, they did have a, well, I don't know if it was a full pilot script or if it's like, no, those were voice bits taken from the original stream. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but they did, but they do they have did, a script. Yeah, they do have a script. Either it's either at least the pilot is written or, or it's, in the middle of it yeah i think it basically is that in development thing yeah it's yeah. we we know for sure that it's in development and in development i mean like it can we, vary we have worked on shows before for like much smaller things where a pilot script will see like 20 revisions yeah a whole like, bunch of different revisions sometimes probably recast or re recast recorded um hell fucking animation too yeah it's well because i think that the nice thing now is that they are locked into a visual style that's true yeah. and they can continue that visual style they might want to change it up though they could completely change like what the art direction is for the mighty nine show i gotta be honest i think it would do best if they do keep it i agree i think that there's an importance to having a consistent language across your ip yeah not to mention it uh on on the logos we do see critical roles things so like yeah different uh animation which, which isn't necessarily bad i feel like it would just it would very give like a diverse feel to it yeah it would allow for the it would allow for the two shows to feel distinct among each other we're just gonna have to wait and see yeah. uh i'm i'm so the mighty nine is what my introduction to critical role is it's Am gonna I, be a very yeah. different show because it is the campaign in which everything went wrong for matt mercer something happened very early on that prevented him from doing the story that he originally wanted to do. Oh, wow. And other storylines that he originally planned on the player character said, Nope, we're not doing that. We are going to do the most impossible things. 
And they managed to pull it off, even though Matthew Mercer made it very, very difficult for them to try. That sounds insane. But so I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, it's it, campaign two is a DM's uh, not worst nightmare, but it is a very good example of storytelling is not always in the hands of the DM. So with that, now <laughs> we will see you guys probably for next season. But uh, we're going to be looking Attack on Titans coming out soon. And we're going to be covering that. Uh, that is mostly going to be most likely going to be Abraham or myself. But uh, Jose does make appearances, at least in the editing room for that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you if you want more of this, stay tuned for that. That's going to be happening in early March. Otherwise, we are continuing our coverage of The Last of Us for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Anyway. This has been The Return of the Show. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.